Welcome all. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Ian, Ian Riches. I have the privilege of serving as part of the eldership team here at All Nations. And what I've prepared for you is one verse from John and then a chunk from Acts. Now, in the preaching rotor, I was only meant to be preaching on the Acts bit. But because we're so close to the Easter story and it was still so fresh in my mind, I asked, well, can I, can I pull this verse from John as well? Because I think comparing the two is, is really at the heart of my message. So while I'm just going through the preamble, as it were, if, if you could find John 20, verse 19, and then put a finger, physical or electronic, depending on which version you use, also in Acts chapter 2. But before I start for proper, I just need a, perhaps a brief apology, because as I was preparing this, I became so aware myself of how I was reacting to the scripture and the challenges it was giving me. So in many ways this morning, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Now, that, I guess that's sometimes not unusual for a preacher, but if you suffer from none of the misunderstandings, if you've fallen from none of the lies that I have, then please accept my apologies, but I've got a feeling I'm probably not the only one. So with your forgiveness and forbearance, let's move through these passages together. Um, but let's just set the scene, because in, in that passage in John 20, we're going to read a verse from shortly. I want to put yourself in, in the mind of one of Jesus' early followers. You've seen him crucified, and now you're hearing that he's risen from the dead and started appearing to his followers. And that's where we pick up the story today. So just... Just imagine yourself in that time. How are you feeling? Are you scared? Are you excited? Are you worried? What is it? And then we jump forward to the passage in Acts and the day of Pentecost. And as we will see, everything changes. Father God, that's on our heart today, actually change because we're so aware that we need it that this world needs it so father now we do ask that by the power of your spirit you'd you'd speak to hearts and minds and that which you want to affect change in this morning you would do amen amen so right john chapter 20 verse 19 just one verse from there on the evening of that day the first day of the week the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So hold that verse in mind. And then on to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? 
And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. And we'll stop there, but of course what Peter does then is preach in many ways the very first Christian sermon, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and thousands that day are swept into the kingdom. So John 20, 19, if you remember that verse, says that the doors of where the disciples were gathered were locked due to fear, fear of the Jews. And then just a few weeks later, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, this same group of people seemingly bursts out onto the streets. Noise and languages fill the air. Everyone hears them in their own tongue. A crowd gathers. The gospel is preached. Such a difference. The Holy Spirit truly empowers It's the only explanation for this radical transformation. Nothing, no no sort of home training course. Nothing can explain this huge change that we see from a group of people behind a locked door to a bunch of exactly the same people compelled out onto the streets, empowered by the Spirit. The scared find courage. The bottled up are released. The gospel is demonstrated and preached. The difference could not be more stark. The transformation could not be more complete. But this leads me to a very painful personal question. Why do we hide? Why do we hide? If the Holy Spirit can bring about such wonderful, radical change... Why don't I, on every single available opportunity, put myself in the best place possible to be filled with the Spirit as a person can be? Why am I not there all the time? That's the question I've been wrestling with these past few weeks, because the change is undeniable. And yet I, maybe some of maybe you put yourself there every day, in which case you can go and get coffee now. But the question I ask myself is, is why do I put myself there all the time? Why do I, we, hide? And looking through these passages and reflecting on them for the past few days and weeks has, has given me three hints as to maybe where we're deceived. Maybe reasons why we may not choose to put ourselves where the Holy Spirit can easily find us. So let's look at each of these in turn. And the first is... I. I think, and again, I'm speaking personally, but I'm going to transfer it onto you with your permission, is I think we maybe sometimes have a confused identity. Because the verse in John 20, 19 says the disciples were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. That's a really interesting phrase, given that they themselves were 
Jews. Now, we have to acknowledge, yes, this passage was written a few decades after the actual event, so there may be some sort of retrospection put onto this. But we also need to acknowledge that John was in many ways the most theological of the gospel writers, and when he uses a word, he means it. (laughs) It's clear that even at this very early stage, the disciples and those gathered with them had a very different identity to the Jews around them in Jerusalem. They were other already. They had lived, they had eaten, they had traveled, they had slept with Jesus on mountainsides and wherever. They'd been changed by it. Now in the immediate aftermath of the crucifixion, if you know the story, Peter, big mouth Peter you might call him, Peter had tried to go back. He tried to say, no, I'm, I'm nothing to do with them. It's not me, you got it confused. But it didn't work. On many levels, one, he was found out. They said, oh, yes, you were. And then two, just his own guilt and shame. He realized he couldn't go back. There was no going back. There was no return. He had been changed. When I look at my life, though, I see perhaps two areas in which my identity is confused and isn't as certain as these early Christians. And these may lead me to not always putting myself in that place to be filled with the Spirit. You see, those early disciples saw themselves as other. They knew they'd been changed. And and perhaps I don't see myself sufficiently as other. I'll unpack that a bit. Because unlike Christians in many parts of the world, and, and with the very recent sad reminder in Sri Lanka, I don't live amongst enemies who would seek to do me physical harm. The enemies that I face, that we face on a day-to-day basis, are actually far more subtle in many cases. And if I do not see the enemies and dangers before me, if I do not fully embrace my new identity, as Romans describes it, as someone who no longer conforms to the patterns of this world, then perhaps my lack of enthusiasm for the Spirit is more understandable, because those in no great danger have no great need of power. I've been deceived by a lie. We had a preaching only a few weeks ago by Richard from Ephesians 6 on the armour of God, which finishes with, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's from Ephesians 6 verse 12. These powers are the same no matter where or when we dwell. So I, stroke we, should be different from those around us. We are engaged in a battle in the heavenlies. And just because that battle isn't overt and a physical danger to me, I need the power. But perhaps I just don't realise it enough because I do not sufficiently see myself as other. If I'm not taking every single opportunity to engage with the Spirit, perhaps I'm just not sufficiently aware of my new identity and the need to live a fully transformed life. Now the other area, perhaps, where identities sometimes get confused is that we do not truly believe that, yes, Jesus chose me. Yes, the Holy Spirit does indeed want to dwell and empower me. We put ourselves down. How could we, how could I, go out to the front and ask to be filled after the week I've had, after the way I've acted, after the things I've said? Friends, 
More lies. More lies. Yes, sin and its consequences is real. It needs to be repented of. But all of us come before the Lord in the same state, sinners in need of his grace. Our worthiness does not come from us, but from the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Peter denied. Thomas doubted. They were both filled, friends. In fact, Thomas, I think, gets a bad rap sometimes. He, he doubted in a different way. If, I, if I'd been Thomas, that's a big if, isn't it? But if I'd been Thomas and I come back and hear, oh, Jesus appeared to us all, I would probably think, typical. He appears to them, but not to me. But Thomas wasn't that. He says, no, I, I don't believe it until I see it myself. He actually probably had more sense of identity than I sometimes do. He didn't doubt that, he's doubting that Jesus had appeared maybe. Not, he didn't have his own self-doubt that, oh, just when I'm not there, Jesus chooses to turn up. <laughs> it's all a lie. We're all welcome. We're all worthy. Linked to this confused identity is, is perhaps the second point, where we perhaps don't see ourselves in need of empowering in what's often perceived by us as a benign environment. We don't ourselves live, in many cases, in tough places, and therefore we don't always seek out the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That group of disciples was told to remain in Jerusalem, and they obeyed. That was probably a pretty dangerous place for them. They, they weren't from around there, they stuck out, but they stayed. They stayed. They were away from home, amongst crowds who had turned hostile towards Jesus and shouted for him to be crucified. Now, in our day-to-day Western Christian lives, many of us simply don't live in physically tough places again. We don't see, or maybe we choose not to see, the day-to-day challenges. And yet these tough places are all around us, even in this very town. Antonio has been describing some of them this morning. So some of you certainly live there. And I want to acknowledge that. Some of you work there. Some of you, no doubt, are walking through tough times, tough places yourself, be it illness, finance, relationships, whatever. However, for many of us, for me, life often just ticks along in an unchallenging way. And thus we don't feel the lack of power that we willingly choose to walk in. We don't feel that lack of power that we willingly choose to walk in. We're being deceived by another lie. Now, many of you know I'm, I'm one of the elders who's not employed by the church. I have a secular job, and from time to time that takes me to different corners of the world. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in Tokyo, Japan. And most, it's great because I have a colleague who lives in Tokyo. She's Japanese, and she sorts everything out. And I just turn up and do the interesting bit. <laughs> and life is easy. Until the Wednesday afternoon of the week, when she got very ill. And I was flying home Friday, but that left all of Thursday. So suddenly on Thursday, I was on my own, having to get to meetings on my own. Without anyone, I speak no Japanese because I'm a tickling English person who doesn't do foreign languages. So many apologies to all of you who's, who are not listening to me in your native tongue this morning. Apologies on behalf of the English. But I speak no Japanese. 
and yet I had to get around Tokyo, find my way to meetings, which are often on the 23rd floor of this office, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think for a lot of us, a lot of the time, we are in our comfort zone. Bedford is up, whatever it is. We know what's happening. And it's only when that comfort zone is removed that we feel our lack of power. That we feel our lack of power. So that morning, I was praying in a very different way to the previous morning. <laughs> but why, you know, in one sense, why was that? Why was I praying for, my, I was praying for practical help getting to the meetings, which didn't exist the next morning, but I was pursuing God in a very different way that morning because I was in a tougher place. That makes no sense, because I said the tough places are always there. It's just we don't choose to engage with them. We don't choose to walk with them. Now, I'm aware there's an element of chicken and egg here. If we take a few more risks, we're more aware of our need to rely on and be regularly filled with the Spirit. If we're regularly being filled by the Spirit, we're far more likely to take a few risks, to pray for that person at work, to stop and talk to that person on the streets. I don't care how that cycle gets broken, <laughs> but I think for many of us it needs to get broken somehow. And maybe it can start here and now, this morning. You see, perhaps not a great analogy, but a stationary car uses no fuel. Brilliant fuel economy. But it goes nowhere. Just depreciates and rusts. Let's be honest with ourselves. We sat depreciating and rusting. That's a cheery thought for you, isn't it? <laughs> We were built for purpose. We were built to go places. Even if that never leaves the confines of this town, there are places to go in this town. And in many ways, it's harder if you don't go places. The times I felt closest to God in most need of his infilling, where I'm doing trips with Richard to Malawi or whatever, because you're just so aware of your lack, and it's only God that you can rely on. Sometimes staying put is harder and more challenging in a bizarre way because we just do not perceive that lack in the same way. We've got the hang of everyday life, we think. But the God who wants to use me in Malawi to bring prophecy to people to preach the gospel surely wants me to do that in Bedford as well. Surely wants me to do that in Bedford as well. So why, why do I behave differently? Why do we behave differently? That's the challenge. And so the last point before we pray is that another fear that sometimes pops up is that we see this passage, we see the Acts chapter 2, and it concludes with Peter, big mouth Peter, standing up and preaching. And we say, but Lord, I'm not Peter. I can't do that. Well, maybe we're just actually, a, <laughs> in our humility, it's a false humility, and there's a bit of arrogance there, because there were probably 120 in that upper room, and there's one Peter Let's be honest, on the balance of probabilities, you're not going to be Peter. <laughs> That's not what you're going to be asked to do. But if just Peter had run out, do you think the crowd would have formed in the same way? Do you think it would have been easier for them to say, oh, there's a drunk guy over there, and have a bit of a laugh at him? If 120 run out, all speaking different languages, that's when the crowd forms. God may well not be asking us to be Peter. He may be asking us to be part of the crowd that draws the larger crowd so the gospel can be preached. 
Yes, the arrival of the Spirit moved out, all out into the street, shouting and praising in languages they didn't know. But they didn't all stand up and preach. That would have been complete and utter chaos. They'd all preached. God may well choose to move you out of your comfort zone, too, in the the language of the passage, to, to making a noise on the streets. But that doesn't mean we're always going to have to be that Peter character. Let's not let our fear of what might happen stop us engaging with what God actually wants to do to us. And let's actually keep humble. Let's not say no because I fear the big thing. Because he actually may only be asking the small thing of you. The big thing will come next week once you've done the small thing. (laughs) So, to conclude and leave some time to pray. Reading these passages over recent days and weeks has been a, a somewhat sobering exercise for me because I've, I've realised I make loads of excuses for not seeking to be filled and empowered by the Spirit on every occasion possible. My identity is perhaps often confused. I either do not see, or maybe even worse, choose not to see the battles around me. I opt instead for the quiet life where my lack of Holy Spirit power is not exposed. Friends, that's not who we're to be. That's not who we're called to be. I sometimes discount myself as insignificant when Christ and his gospel shouts to the contrary. You are welcome. You are accepted. Freely, freely receive. I fear what God might ask me to do, and I don't trust him. When God promises anything I ask you to do, I will equip you for. Do not panic. I've been deceived by so many lies of the enemy. And hopefully, even if only to myself, I've exposed them for what they are. We are chosen. We are redeemed. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness. The Holy Spirit seeks to dwell within and empower us for every day. For Bedford, for school, for work, for the home, whatever it is. Yes, the day of Pentecost is amazing and was in one sense unique because it was the start. But the Holy Spirit is not just for the big occasion, for the set piece. The Holy Spirit is to get us through on a day-to-day basis. And if we don't perceive the needs, it's probably because we're not seeing the needs around us that we need to engage with. So friends, I'm going to make another call for us to come forward in one brief moment. And this deliberately is not specific. (laughs) This is for those of you, maybe like me, who sometimes find the reasons not to come forward. And so, with Richard and Jenny's permission, I'm going to hand back to you shortly, and I'm going to be the first one down here. (laughs) Friends, I'm encouraging you now to say a resounding yes to the Holy Spirit for all that he wants to do in your life, wherever you find yourself, this afternoon, tomorrow, wherever. Are you ready to say yes with me? Amen.